This is the Gopher Puck Live podcast, episode number 19, recorded Tuesday, March 6, 2012. Welcome to this week's GPL podcast. Along with Hammy and Cardinal, I am your host, Jupiter. Hammy, Cardinal, how are you guys doing today? Very well. That's good. I'm good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Well, we have a special guest joining us today. You may not know his name, but you definitely know his website. And of course, that website I'm talking about is usCHO.com. And tonight we have the co founder and president of the USCHO website. Tim Bruley. Tim, thanks for joining us. Glad, glad to be with you. Uh, you started you know, at USCHO about a little over 15 years ago, and uh, look at it now. It's just this crappy little site, isn't it? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's ironic, actually. The first uh, website that we did was uh, I did a website in 1995. I donated to the University of Minnesota, and we put up uh, another links page, and, and the other links page pointed to this little black website. Some people remember it called the College Hockey Homepage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was linked to from the University of Minnesota. And the next year, U.S. College Hockey was born. Online was born. So, I still have that as my uh, URL, by the way. The U.S. College Hockey dot com. Yes, I do. I, I paid for it for like 10 years, so it still works. You must be still paying for it because I haven't updated my bookmark in 10 <laughs> years. So <laughs> it's still working great. Well, um, there's a lot of things going on in the college world. Uh, obviously, the big talk at this time of the year is the pairwise. And from what I understand, you're kind of the first guy who brought the pairwise to the web. What's the deal with the pairwise and you? What's your involvement with it or was your involvement with it? Well, um, in, in 95, back at the College Hockey homepage, um, the, I was a member of the Hockey L mailing list. And info, a lot of people will remember those lists. They're still around today, but they're not quite as popular as they were back then. Mm-hmm. Great websites. And there was a note passed out in probably early February by Mike Macknick, um, who uh, used to be a part of Ushno and is now also part of, part of CHN. Uh, he said... If people wanted to understand the changes that the NCAA selection pro, uh, went on in the selection process, they just had to reference Keith Instone's post on the new criteria. So, um, and he gave a rough a rough date of it. So I pulled up in the archives uh, the information about the, the the post. I had missed it. It was on Info Hockey L, I believe, and mm-hmm. I pull up the listing, and it referenced five criteria, um, four of which exist. In some form today, they dropped the last twenty that time. But uh, I thought it was the last but, sixteen or something like that, wasn't it? Well, last twenty, last sixteen. It was okay, but they they tweak the, the rules every year, practically it seems. Um, so, uh, and Mike suggested if anybody wanted to see how well the teams are are doing, um, they, they you would just have to create a, to rank them by the by this criteria. And a week later, I published what I called the pairwise rankings. So um, I did con Mike and Keith and Stone to see if this is what their thoughts were. Mm-hmm. Keith and Stone actually created the NCAA selection process. If you look very carefully, the uh, pairwise never claims to be that. You just, just kind of you just figured out what they were doing, so you I, could I mimic it. Best guess. I took a best 
a mathematician. I took a best guess of how to take disparate criteria like this and rank them um, in pairs. So and the natural name to call it um, from a mathematician is pairwise, a pairwise ranking or pairwise comparison criteria. So you find a it geek in, term. Very geeky. I was <laughs> at school at the University of Minnesota, so um, very few people know that they think like an Eastern biased uh, publication. And, and sure enough, we were formed at the univer- as a spinoff of the University of Minnesota. No Eastern bias? You kidding me? Uh, we we have plenty of Easterners. We have plenty. Of, <laughs> we uh, you know sometimes they they're very biased, and I guess we 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 cover the team that's winning. So I guess we're biased towards winners. So. Okay. Okay. So it's been quite the 15 plus years then. I mean, you guys have your own poll now that is used nationally. Obviously, um, a lot of people have mimicked the pairwise all over the place and they call it the pairwise probably because that's what you call it at first. Maybe you should have called it Tim's idiot list or something. (laughs) Uh, It would probably be still called that. Okay. Ken, uh, Ken, um, Ken's of uh, college hockey, the cratch. Um, his name is still attached to it, mm-hmm. and all he's is – I mean he's like doing a linear you know, regression model or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, very common in in, um, in statistical analysis to rank these unordered sets with something like that. You do some sort of least regression, bit, and that's what they've done. So um, for for that, well, the, the pairwise rankings, we just named it something that was very generic. I, I've – tried to trademark it and, and we're on the, the secondary registry right now. Um, but unfortunately I named it a very generic math. math, math yep. And, um, and because the process is well, is well out there, people have, you know, um, basically, you know, there's like four or five locations that, that have done it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it's, it's widely available right now, but, but us show is the first place to have it. I'm the first person to publicly produce it. I think I'm actually the first person. Keith at the time, Instone at the time, suggested that he hadn't even done the algorithm, but that's more or less what he was. Are you still there, Tim? Oh, we may have lost Tim there now. Great. <laughs> oh, things are going smooth tonight on the podcast, aren't they? Well, hopefully you guys got some of that geek talk there, didn't you? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you know. It was kind of interesting to hear some of that back-end stuff. Yeah, you understand the basics, but, uh, yeah, don't ask me to replicate it in my own. I know Cardinal can in his head, can't you? I can. Oh, yeah. oh, we can hear you now. You're back, Tim. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. The hotel room, uh, the highest place down in Jacksonville, Florida, is probably not. Now, you sound, just, now you sound just great, too. Oh, <laughs> <No>, It's fine. <laughs> Well, we were just going to kind of move along here. Uh, let's, we're going to go into some gopher talk. Obviously, this weekend, the gophers split with Wisconsin, and I know you were there on the Saturday game, Tim. Um, from your kind of more national perspective, what did you think of the weekend and the gophers finally back, you know, on top in the WCHA after many years? You know, you and I have been there at Marigee for many years, and it's been a pretty down place, but it was definitely different this weekend. Uh, the, the crowd was great. Um, the the comeback in the third period was amazing. Um, it's 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 an electric place when when the when when they're winning. Um, it was you know I, I 
I'm I am by nature and it got two degrees at the University of Minnesota, a diehard Gopher fan, even though you have evidence to the contrary. Um, <laughs> it, it it was it was great for Gopher Nation. It's good for the WCHJ. Um, we need um, I, from a national perspective. I like when historically large fan bases do well. Um, you know, it, it's very good for the sport. Um, it's also you know, good for your website as well, because yeah. obviously when Minnesota does well, yeah. USDHO does well as well. Uh, absolutely. We, we definitely are gaining traffic again the last three or four years. We've slipped a little bit um, compared to our, our growth. Um, yeah, Minnesota is a very critical part of the college hockey scene from a national fan base. And, you know, it, at any time at night on a Friday or Saturday night, I, we go on to Google Analytics, they get this beta version. I see you using it, Craig, all the time. Yep. And uh, and the number one audience after about 10 o'clock is always Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it wasn't that way last year. So uh, it, it was an important audience, but your your Boston's and your and your, surprisingly enough Chicago and New York some of the displaced fans are are very important in this but it was, it's great to see the Gophers doing well from both from a personal point of view and from from a website point of view and I think for college hockey it's great definitely definitely Hammy what are your thoughts on the weekend obviously not a good game Friday well I mean it kind of for me it was basically what I had thought it would be last week I had mentioned in the podcast that. You know, Wisconsin's the kind of team, if they get a lead early, they have a very good record. I think they're like 8-1-1 one, and one now after this last weekend, if they get a lead after the first period. And, um, of course, on the other side of the coin, you know, they're not a come-from-behind team whatsoever. So uh, the fact that they got up um, on Friday, you know, I, I guess it shouldn't be surprising that they won that game. I was a little bit disappointed, to say the least, about our performance, but uh, – um, you know, I was glad to see the guys kind of rally on Saturday. And, you know, after uh, Howla's goal, I mean, that's, you know, as loud as I've heard Mariucci in a long time. Um, even, I would say, more than maybe that North Dakota series earlier in the year. But uh, either way, I mean, it was it was very exciting to see those guys. I really wanted to see them kind of win the game and actually earn the, the McNaughton as opposed to just sort of, you know, backing in, so to speak. Even though Lucia says there's no such thing as backing into that title. But, um, you know, I wanted to see them, you know, earn the trophy with a win. So it was nice to see that. And uh, uh, Wisconsin certainly played better than I expected. You know, I mean, they're, you know, they're going out to Denver. And uh, I think that's going to be a hell of a series, even though Wisconsin's been kind of down this year. Ryan, play of the year by Schmidt back on the point to uh, get the game winner Saturday. Yeah, I mean, they've had, you know, obviously a lot of good plays this year. But that one's going to come to mind just considering what it did and, the, you know, the spot he did it in in the third period. And, um, you know, when you put it all together, I think it has to be. And, um, yeah, I was talking with somebody at work today about, you know, how loud Mariucci was. And the last time I remember it being that loud was probably against Wisconsin when Ehrman scored that penalty shot goal in yeah. 405 or whatever oh, yeah. it was. And um, that's obviously kind of a unique circumstance with the penalty shot thing. But that was in the third period, I think, on Saturday night. And that was obviously a really good team, just like this year's team. So, yeah, it was great to see. And Friday night was weird, and they just didn't play that well. And, you know, you just wonder if they were thinking ahead or whatever. But, um, you know, give Wisconsin credit, like Hammy said. I mean, they've been playing really well recently after, you know, they easily could have folded up shop after they got swept by North Dakota and St. Cloud. But they've played tough since. And, yeah, like you said, they're going to give Denver everything they can handle this weekend, I'm sure. Definitely. They definitely will. I was definitely disappointed Friday night. 
And it got to the point where I, I went downstairs to listen to the interviews, and I just didn't even want to listen to it. I got up and left. <laughs> so I was a little down on the team Friday night. I'm usually haven't been that like like that recently, but I was pretty down on the team. And uh, obviously, you know, Saturday night, Bukestad came back. I don't I don't know if he was a huge factor, but it seemed to lift the team a little bit. But uh, again, they played much better team defense Saturday night than they did Friday night. Well, I mean, that's been kind of the key all year for the Gophers. I mean, we talk about some of the offensive numbers with certain guys, but the reality is is that, you know, the Gophers' success has been, you know, keeping the goals down. I mean, they're just above, I think, two goals a game, and they've been that way for most of the season. And Patterson's, of course, generally played well for throughout most of the season. And uh, the defense, you know, with, with a few exceptions, has been very solid, you know, overall. So, you know, I, I know Lucia mentioned in his show yesterday that you – know, you know they're kind of driven by their defense this year, and that's kind of how they think that they'll continue to win if they're you know moving forward. So um, we'll see how it goes. Well, let's take a look at the rest of the WCHA. We had DU headed to UNO, UNO last weekend and uh, put them away, swept them. Uh, I don't know what's that. How many? At least four straight for UNO losing at home. Now they've dropped to seventh place and are going on the road for the WCHA playoffs. Cardinal, what do you think? Yeah, it's tough with Omaha. That's a team that, you know, the goaltending has been inconsistent. And you look recently, I mean, it's kind of stabilized. I mean, it hasn't been great, but, I mean, they've given up three goals in each of the last five games. And, you know, that's kind of the key number for most teams. And Lucia talked about it, where if you have two or less, you're going to be in a lot better position to win than if you give up three or more. And, I mean, obviously that makes sense. But just three seems, again, just to be kind of that key number. But it's kind of not now that their goaltending has stabilized a little bit. It seems like the offense isn't there like it was at the start of the year. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a tough break for Omaha but who knows I mean like you said they've lost four in a row at home and you know they had a decent amount of success you know especially the second half of the year on the road so who knows maybe it'll be you know better for them to you know get out of town and uh, you know they're certainly not going to a team with a lot of playoff success in St. Cloud so um, you know there's no reason why they can't go up there and probably push it to three games and see what happens. Tim what do you think about UNO's collapse last four games at home? Yeah uh, that's that's surprising. I mean, uh, they, 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 were, had, they hadn't been swept in the regular season since 2008. Now back-to-back weekends. Yes, and, and you thought um, they went up to – they played some real good games uh, early January, mid-January. thought that was going to catapult them to a very good season. They beat Duluth. Um, and you thought that that would be the momentum they needed to carry them through the rest of the year. And it, it something happened towards the end. I know they ran into a – uh, Minnesota played incredibly well um, last week or two weekends ago, and and they ran into a, a pretty good team in Denver. Denver's playing real well, so maybe it was the luck and ske- uh, the you know, some bad luck in scheduling. But UNO is supposed to be a pretty good team. They they made the national tournament last year, um, and they to fall on your home ice like that. It, it's very very unusual for a Dean Blaze team. Hammy, well, Omaha's bad was definitely good for St. Cloud because they went and beat uh, Duluth, you know, took three points from this weekend and now got the last home ice spot due to UNO's failures. Yeah, I mean, well, I was just looking, you know, UNO's what lost five of their last six and I think they're like, you know, four, seven, and two since the start of the year. And so they're not obviously – not playing well at all. And, and uh, yeah, you have to give St. Cloud credit, you know, despite some of the injuries and departures at, you know, midseason, 
they've managed to kind of, you know, pull it together and earn that last home ice spot. And, you know, I'm not surprised that they gave UMD all they can handle. For some reason, the UMD just seems to struggle, you know, in that rink. And, uh, you know, so I, certainly they did some, the Gophers, you know, a big favor on Friday by uh, winning that game because they kind of took the pressure off to some degree on Saturday. Um, you know, so UMD definitely blew an opportunity there. And um, But, yeah, St. Cloud, you have to give them, you know, a lot of credit. Well, I think we lost Cardinal now, so hopefully he's coming back. Ryan, you there? I am. It's, uh, yeah, it's kicked me off twice here in the last couple of minutes. It's wow, sweet. And, yeah, so but I'm here now. <laughs> hey, what a podcast. This is going to make great audio for later, let me tell you. Well, we were just talking about how, you know, UNO has collapsed at home, and St. Cloud took advantage this weekend by getting three points at uh, when they are playing Duluth. Yeah, and I heard a little bit of what Andy was saying. Yeah, I mean, give St. Cloud big-time credit. I mean, I thought once – you know, we swept them in late January that, you know, that would kind of be the end for them. And, um, you know, they were, let's see, 40 and under 500 at that point. So you figure, you know, you fought hard with all the injuries and maybe this is the time where they kind of tail off. And, um, you know, the exact opposite has happened. And they you know, went up to Wisconsin and swept. And, um, you know, they played really well since. And, you know, credit Mike Lee, the guy that, you know, maybe has a little bit to the hype so far at the college level. And then he gets hurt at the start of this year. And you think, okay, where is his career kind of heading? But since he's come back, I mean, he's, you know, been a real spark for them. And, um, you know, Hanelski is a guy where, you know, if they would have finished a little higher in the standings, I'm sure he'd be a, you know, maybe a first or second line, all the WCHA type. I mean, he's really carried him, and he did really well against the Gophers. Maybe I think a little bit more highly of him than I should, but he's been a horse for him all year, especially since LeBlanc went down. And, yeah, I mean, that's a team where, you know, I don't know, if they make it to St. Paul, how far they're going to go. But, um, you know, despite the fact that Omaha is a decent team, you have to, you know, like St. Paul at home ice this weekend. The rest of the series this weekend were all sweeps. We had uh, UND sweeping Mankato, CC sweeping uh, Michigan Tech, and Anchorage getting swept by Bemidji. Uh, Hammy, do you have any thoughts on any of those games? Since they're all sweeps, there's not much excitement going on there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really expect uh, Mankato to go into Grand Forks and win any of the games. And, uh, I mean, the only thing that was – Somewhat surprising to me was, I, you know, I thought that uh, Tech might, you know, give uh, CC a little bit more trouble than they did. So, I mean, that's that's the only one that was a little bit surprising for me. But uh, other than that, uh, yeah, it, nothing too shocking there. Tim, anything pique your interest about the rest of those series? Yeah, I looked at that Tech game. And Tech had a lot to play for. They were still um, in contention for that last home ice in, uh, spot. And uh, that, that, I think that that opportunity – doesn't come hasn't come around very often for them. It would have been really nice to see them play some home um, some home games during the playoffs. Uh, it's kind of disappointing for them. Um, other than that, I think that the games went uh, as expected. Uh, we were sitting at the uh, campus pizza late on uh, Friday night, and it looked like our Saturday night it looked like uh, Anchorage was going to win that game. I woke up in the morning and. Uh, uh, sure enough, uh, the Bemidji came back and they were down three, uh, three to one at one point. So that, that surprised me a little bit that Anchorage didn't hold on. You know, and although they're not a great team, but they were at home. It was you know their their senior night, their last home game of the season, and uh, and it affected you know dramatically affects seeding. So that 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 uh, said uh, Wisconsin at Denver. So. Well, that wrapped up the WCHA regular season, and of course, at the end of every season, everyone's got their, you know, best forwards, best goaltenders, coach of the year. Hammy, I know you put out some lists today. Uh, what are your thoughts on some of the players of the year and 
the, the players that stood out for you in the WCHA this year and your picks? Well, I mean, um, some of the, they put together, someone, Sue fan, put to, together, uh, did some blogger, all WCHA awards poll. And, uh, you know, for my first team, I mean, it was really difficult. I, I said on Twitter that really the no brainers are Jack Connolly, um, Justin Schultz, and Ken Patterson as first teamers. After that, for me, it's like you can make good debates for, you know, a number of different players for some of those final spots on the, the first team. Um, kind of, you know, I put Nick Bukestad as a first teamer. I think he's person, you know, personally, I believe he's the most physically dominant player in the WCHA. I mean, he might not have, you know, the top stats, but in terms of a guy that can just absolutely take over a game with his, you know, physical gifts, I mean, he's definitely, in my mind, the, the top guy. Um, so, I mean, I put him up there. Um, you know, I, I put Zucker up there. Maybe it's a little bit of, you know, he didn't have as strong of a year as I kind of thought he might, but nonetheless, you know, he I think he's, um, you know, among the best forwards up there. So, I mean, that would be my first team, those six guys. I don't know if you want me to run through any more than that, but as far as player of the year goes, you know, I gave it to uh, Connolly over Patterson. Um, you know, some of it's probably a little bit of giving him some credit for the career he's put together at mm-hmm. UMD. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that's why I gave him a little bit of a nod over Patterson this year. But, uh you know, Justin Schultz is kind of the no-brainer pick as defensive player of the year. And the toughest one for me, you know, is well, – well, actually, two toughest. There's rookie of the year and then there's coach of the year. I give Mel Pearson the nod, coach of the year. I know that you could say Lucia. I know you could say Hackstall for all the injuries he's dealt with. But, you know, I said on Twitter last year Tech had six points and were in last place. This year they have 26 points and just missed out on home ice. So – that's a pretty steep improvement. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's all him, but nonetheless, he's the leader. So, and WCHA Rookie of the Year, I gave it to our boy Rao. Um, I know, you know, it wouldn't. I wouldn't have an argument, you know, if they gave it to a, you know, the kid at Denver. But I mean, I, I'm going to go with Rao. I, he had such an impact the whole year, playing on a top line on the, the team that won the league, and he had you know more game winning goals than the other rookies. So that that's where I'm going with that pick. Tim, do you get to vote on any of this stuff, being the big wig? <laughs> Not on the official WCHA. I did have OB vote a couple of years ago, but uh, um, that's a different kind of award. So, uh, Well, what are your thoughts then on some of the WCHA awards? I, I agree with a lot of uh, the suggestions that uh, Scott uh, recommended, uh, or Ryan recommended there. Jack Conley, definitely the player of the year. Uh, Mel Pearson, definitely the coach. There's no, there's, I don't, I, I don't think it's even that close in Pearson. How do, how do you take a team that's been traditionally in the cellar and make them competitive night in and night out from day one of the year? They develop confidence. They, they play a much more up-tempo style of hockey. I mean, they're, they're not the same tech team. Um, and I think that they're going to be a serious threat um, in the new incarnate of the WCHA that is around in a couple of years. I think that the, if, if Mel sticks with it there and every, everybody, if they, if they stay patient with that, I think he's going to be, uh, I think that Michigan Tech is going to be a great team. So I would, I would look at uh, him for sure. Defense, defensive player, definitely um, uh, the defenseman out of Wisconsin. Schultz. He, he had, Schultz, he had a phenomenal year. Um, and goaltender, I, Kent Patterson's had a, all those, all those shutouts, all those, all those critical um, um, 
saves that he's made, keeping this team together when when the defense has had lapses. Um, I think he's the goaltender. Ryan, what are your thoughts on these awards? Yeah, in terms of the coach of the year, I mean, only kind of I put Lucia in this. I'm definitely not been the biggest Lucia fan the last few years, but I just think, um, and obviously with Pearson, I mean, you can't really argue him or Hexel. I don't think, I mean, those three, like Cammy said, are clearing away, but I mean, I think with Pearson, just, you know, what tech fans will tell you is that they were so banged up last year that it's a lot of the same players. It's just that they managed to stay healthy this year, whereas last year they, you know, were hit so hard by the injury bug. So I think that plays into it a little bit, but again, I obviously won't have a problem with that, but um, I just want Lucia, again, not to be a homer, but just the pressure he was under and, you know, year after year in the last couple of you know, people calling for his head, assholes like me, you don't know what they're talking about, but I mean, he was under the gun this year, and if they would have been a 500 team or, you know, made the tournament, I mean, I don't think he'd be around come this fall, so just the pressure he was under, and, um, you know, obviously again, took a lot of credit for that, I think, too. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, player of the year, I went with Jack Connolly, and main reason again, I don't know if this is the right way to do it or whatever, but like Cammy said, kind of a career achievement thing, he's a senior, and small accounts, a great guy, and the whole bit, and just Stay with the loop, and he's going to be probably over 200 points, which you know you don't see too many of those these days in college hockey anymore. Um, Shelton, defensive player of the year, and I went with Lelegi as the rookie of the year over Rob, just because you know Rob kind of slumped a little bit in the middle of the year, and with Lelegi, you know, pretty much being the number one defenseman for Denver, running their power play, and being a point per game guy in conference play. I mean, that's you know that kind of says it all. And then. First team forwards, I had Jack Connolly, Drew Shore, and then Brock Nelson for North Dakota. And the Brock Nelson thing just might stick out a little bit, but you know, like Hammy said, just physically, I mean, him and Bukes, I think, are the two guys that just rangy and can kind of take over. And, um, you know, I just think you have to have somebody from North Dakota up there, given everything they went through this year. I mean, there's a reason they're still standing and, you know, arguably the best team in the league at this very moment. And I think he's a big part of that. Yeah, I forgot to mention that oh. Ben Blood would be my other defenseman on the first team. And I see that Ben Blood got his assistant captain back last week as well. Yeah, that was some pretty tough discipline. What they took the letter <laughs> away for what a month or whatever. <laughs> well, what can he do? It is the Sioux. I mean, they just do things differently up there. I guess. Yeah. Well, we got a, a pairwise question, so I'm going to direct this towards uh, Tim here. Uh, Miles emailed us and asked. With the Big Ten Hockey Conference starting in 2013, how will this potentially affect the pairwise ranking system? Currently, the WCHA plays 28 games, and if everyone plays each other four times in the Big Ten, that's only 20 games. Will the added non-conference games in the Big Ten give them an advantage in the pairwise? Or you know, how in general will this, these new leagues affect the pairwise? Um, the, I think the new leagues, what you'll see – more so out of it than a direct effect would be indirect on the uh, on the pairwise. What happens? Every team's still going to get either you know, one automatic qualifying bid, and you got to earn it. Your at large bids the same way, the same formula. Nothing's going to change there. But the scheduling is the biggest impact. What you're going to see is is teams like Minnesota, um, you know, wanting 20 home games, and which means. Yep. They're going to schedule weaker non-conference opponents in a lot of those games. And I think uh, traditional rivalries, it's, 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 you're, going to, you're not they'll, – they'll probably have a rivalry weekend or, or so, you know, with the Duluth and the North Dakotas of the world. But the schedules, uh, it used to see Sacred Heart. 
Um, uh, you're going to see some of the weaker teams in Atlantic and the ECAC. And, oh, yippee! And and, and, and the, the the new found WCHA may see some weaker weaker teams in that in those conferences. Um, so the strength of schedules are going to be weaker for those teams, but their winning percentages and their non-conference schedule should be our winning percentages should be pretty strong. So because they're all going to have that effect, where they're going to be able to demand the the weaker teams come into them. They're not going to go on the uh, the road as much. Um, they also lose um, all the Big Ten teams that are currently playing lose the Alaska exemption um, if they go to Alaska. So that will further exacerbate the problem on on home versus road games. It's two less games they're going to play all together. So um, it, 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 you're going to definitely see an influence on the strength of schedule. I think their strength of schedules are going to go down. Okay. Um, so they're going to have to earn it. Uh, the Big Ten teams are going to have to earn it by a higher winning percentage. Um, or they're going to have to schedule tough non-conference opponents for their limited non-conference road games. And uh, that's where you know a, a home and away series versus Duluth uh, or, or, or you know some sort of uh, uh, you know, round robin every other year, alternating series for Duluth and Denver's are going to uh, not Denver's, but uh, North Dakota. You may see that um, to help bolster some of the non-conference schedule, but at home, it's going to be pretty weak. Well, now isn't now from what I remember? Okay, we've already locked in Notre Dame in future seasons, I believe, for the next so, three years, I believe. Yeah, Thank and you. I'm. Sh- yeah, and I know that what they've talked about BC and BU doing kind of a trip out there and then having them return, correct, a couple times. And, uh, you know, with this showcase, I, I would assume Duluth and St. Cloud, you know, will probably still at least be pretty solid, if not good programs. Um, so, I mean, I guess I, I can see that to a degree, but I, I'm not entirely convinced it's going to drop off significantly. But, uh, you know, I don't I, until you see the schedules, it's hard to say for sure. Yeah. And I think, too, I mean, one thing to consider is that, you know, who knows how Penn State's going to you know play out. I mean, I think they're probably going to be good, maybe quicker than somebody like Ohio State, where it took them a while to kind of get their footing. But, you know, when you look at the Big Ten schedule, I mean, most of those teams are pretty good year in, year out, especially Ohio State. And, you know, they obviously bombed the second half of this year. But with Osiki there now, you have to think they're going to be at least pretty solid. So, I mean, you are going to need weekends where it can't always be either Big Ten opponent or former WCHA rival, or you're just going to burn yourself out. I mean, you need to factor in the cupcake thing or if every weekend is, you know, some huge conference game or, you know, playing Duluth or somebody that, you know, or Mankato even that, you know, gets their one shot at the Gophers and gives you everything. I mean, I get all teams are like that, but, you know, Mankato is going to give it more than somebody from out east. So I think you have to factor that in too, where not every weekend can be, you know, just ramped up, huge emotional type thing or, you know, the teams are just going to you know, kind of wear themselves up. Okay. We have another question from Frozen Four Champs. He actually has two, but we already answered the uh, Coach of the Year questions. But his number one question is, Kyle Rao is by far the biggest pain in the ass to opposing teams the Gophers have played in recent years. Has anyone else been that kind of a gnat in recent years other than Cephas? Yeah, he's the last one I can It really hasn't been too many, have there? You know, the the one that in the last 10-plus years that sticks out for me is Westrom. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, that's so long ago that – you know, I don't know that the Gophers have really had one of those guys that really 
you know, annoy the hell out of the other team to the level that, you know, we've seen the last couple of years with a few players. So who knows? And, and Rao actually gets out there and hits too. Yeah, he's not one of those guys who just talks and then kind of, you know, dives behind one of his bigger teammates. He sticks his nose in there, and he's not afraid to mix it up physically. So, and we saw that hit on LeBade. I mean, he actually, you know, he absolutely destroyed him on that open ice hit. And, uh, you know, Eves was whining about it. I don't know what the hell he's whining about. To me, that was a perfect hit. So, but I mean, you know, yeah, he's not afraid of that kind of stuff. Well, actually, Composer has another kind of question along the same lines, you know. Yeah, I he he asked me. You know, I was in between the benches during the row hit. He was kind of wondering what was being said down there, and unfortunately, I can't really tell you what was being said because there was a lot of f bombs going on by the players and the coaches, and they were very upset. And how long it took them to get the game going again after the row hit, which was a perfectly clean hit. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand at all what happened there. I mean, that was all about Eves, you know, complaining. It's like, look, if you don't see it right when the play is happening, you don't stop the game for five minutes to discuss it. Just drop the puck. So, yeah, I don't get it. And Gensel was going nuts, you know, since he he was yelling at the ref, saying, "Is this an effing group hug or something? Uh, we pay you guys over three hundred dollars a night. I mean, f bomb yeah. this, f bomb that. It was, it was very entertaining. I picked the right period to be down there." Well, and what kind of reminded me of, too, is when Wisconsin played St. Cloud a few weeks back, and I forget the players involved. With, but you know, there Nick, was Oliver, Nick Oliver and, and Ramage, I believe. Yeah, and we're Ramage, and I don't think they're – I can't remember, but wasn't the deal was that it wasn't really a penalty called on the play, but then after the referees talked for a while and everything else, and Ramage, I mean, he got kicked out of the game, and that's kind of when things snowballed for Wisconsin. So maybe Eves is thinking kind of the same deal where it's a big open ice hit and the way refereeing is these days and headshots and concussions and the whole deal that maybe if, you know, obviously the crowd reacted to it and the players laying there on the ice and, you know, there are a lot of parallels. Maybe he's just trying to work them over and, you know, he's falling back on what he saw before where he worked over the refs and got a call and trying to do the same thing this time around. Yeah, that's exactly what um, Andy Baggett suggested uh, at uh, the, the beat writer for, Wisconsin, he suggested that exact play and um, was what was going through Eves' head. He got a five-minute major and a game DQ for it, and, and uh, he thought that, that that hit was almost identical to, to the hit that, uh, that Ramage got uh, the five-minute major for. So. Well, the coaches weren't happy, so <laughs> that's about all I can say about that. Hammy, do you have any questions this week? You see any Twitter no, questions? I actually haven't. I, I haven't seen anything come across. It's, it's been a little quiet because obviously I uh, had some issues earlier. But well, let's get into this week then. Obviously, it's WCHA playoff week and a very interesting time of the year for everyone. Obviously, um, well, let's kick it off. UNO heading to St. Cloud. Tim, do you have any thoughts on that? That's going to be a good series. It's going to be a very good series. St. Cloud is playing really well right now, and UNO is not playing well at home. Uh, good thing they're on the road, I guess. Um, the St. Cloud is the last few weeks, you know, four or five weeks, they've put it together considering their injury situation. And they got some, uh, they have goaltenders are playing well. I, I, I think uh, St. Cloud's going to win that series and we're going to see them at the Excel on Thursday night. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, I think from what I remember, um, UNO has had, you know, a good amount of success against St. Cloud, but but the way they're playing, it's kind of hard to pick against St. Cloud right now, and, you know, UNO's slumping, and 
I, it wouldn't shock me maybe if it goes to three games, but I do think that St. Cloud's going to come out of that series with uh, a trip to Excel. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think you need kind of look how the teams match up. I think they're kind of similar up front and that, you know, I think the top two lines for each team are pretty solid and can kind of go with each other. But you look from there on out, I mean, I think St. Cloud D, especially their top four, um, you know, just are a better overall unit than what Omaha can roll out. And obviously St. Cloud's going to have the edge in that with Mike Lee, despite, um, you know, Omaha's you know, newfound decent goaltending as opposed to the train wreck that it was the first few months of the season. So, um, you know, I won't be surprised if some, one of these games is pretty high scoring. But, yeah, I'd be, uh, I would be very surprised if uh, St. Cloud didn't uh, make its way to St. Paul come, uh, come Thursday. Michigan Tech not even going home. They're staying in Colorado Springs this week and get to face them again. Hammy, are they going to get swept again? You know, I don't think so. It's simply because, I mean, when you play that many, that the same team that many times in a row, I mean, it, you know, you're going to probably break through at least one time. So I, I think that, uh, you know, it's not like CC has been going gangbusters and rolling through teams, you know, in the second half, they've had their ups and downs. And so I really suspect that that series is going to it go three games. Um, I, I don't think Tech's going to win two games there, so I'll probably have to go with uh, CC on that one. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, uh, Scott's take on it. I think that the, 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 that it's very difficult to win a team four times in a row, um, more or less two times in a row. Uh, I think Tech is is playing um, inconsistent down the stretch. Uh, they played better um, in some of the road series recently um, than some of their home series. Uh, I think that uh, CC is not playing that well either. I would not be surprised if uh, if you know CC wins the first game and Tech wins the second, and then CC um, advances uh, in on a Sunday game. So. Yeah, and, you know, I kind of dislike CC a lot in this series. I think it's just a bad matchup for Tech. And, you know, the weird thing is them staying out there, you wonder how that's going to have an impact on the team. And, you, you know, coaches always talk about routines and the whole deal this time of year. And it's such a unique deal to, you know, be in a place for, you know, nine, ten days, depending on how long the series ends up going. But I just think if you're going to win on the road at this time of the year in the WTHA playoffs, you just need to have really good goaltending. And, you know, Tech's goaltending has been okay, but it's just not at the level it needs to be. And I think if you lose the matchup in terms of goaltending, which obviously do with Thornburg being you know awesome for CC pretty much from January on, and then also with CC having the better high-end players. I just think those are the kinds of things that typically went out. So I, I guess I won't be super shocked, like Andy said, if Tech wins one of the first two games because it is tough to beat a team, you know, two, three, four, five times in a row, whatever it would be. But um, yeah, I think CC wins. I think they have a you know, decent shot of pulling up that once they get to St. Paul just because their high-end guys are just so good, and they have the goaltending right now as well. Um, Bemidji has played fairly well against North Dakota this year, but uh, Tim, do they have a chance of doing anything this weekend at UND? I think North Dakota's way too hot right now. Uh, I think they're been one of the most consistent teams in the WCHJ as always in the second half of the of the year um, under under the Axtell era. I don't think that they they have a chance. I, I'd be absolutely stunned if uh, if if North Dakota doesn't come out of that series. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes three games. A lot of series do. But I would be absolutely stunned if North Dakota is not um, at the NFL. Yeah, the same deal. I mean, North Dakota, I mean, 
and excited. I mean, they've been unbelievable since that Culver series. We say it every week, and, you know, it's been true. I mean, they've been super consistent, and, um, you know, it's unfortunate because, I mean, going into Saturday, there was a shot of Wisconsin being the team that we built to North Dakota. Things fell right, but obviously they didn't, and I think Wisconsin may have had a better shot. They for sure would have had a better shot in my mind, and, yeah, Bemidji, it's just not a good matchup. I mean, Bemidji has a tough time scoring, and North Dakota's, you know, had, you know, no real issue with that despite their injuries. And, I mean, you wonder if, I mean, I know they were down to 17 skaters for the most part last weekend if that's going to start to catch up to them. But um, if it does, I mean, maybe it's going to be in St. Paul if they have to play three games in three nights or, you know, a quick turnaround and playing maybe in the afternoon on Friday or whatever. But, yeah, I don't see them, you know, having any trouble this weekend. Does Mankato have any chance up in Duluth? Anyone got a thought on that? Uh, well, I mean, they were pesky when they played each other in Mankato earlier, you know, this year. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave them a little bit of trouble one game, but I, I would suspect that Duluth's going to sweep that series. Anyone else pretty much going to be a sweep? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Mankato, again, they've been okay since the start of the year, and but I, that's a bad matchup for them. I know they played Duluth tough down in Mankato, but, um, you know, just going up to Duluth where, you know, despite U of B's struggles a little bit here the second half, and they've been, you know, they just swept CC at home. And, um, yeah, I think that's a tough place to go. I think Duluth will kind of get re-engaged here this weekend and uh, take care of them too. I, I think it's ditto. I think they're, the some of these series are – pretty imbalanced. They're not good matchups for the team. You get two, a team that's too hot against a team that isn't showing much right now. So it, it's, it, it would be very hard-pressed to, to pick uh, Minnesota State to take two up in, in um, Duluth. I just don't see it happening. And, of course, finally we've got Anchorage coming back down to Mariucci like they did last year, except this time uh, the teams are a bit different than they were. Um Last 10 meetings, Minnesota's won six, lost four, but obviously uh, two of those big losses were in the WCHA playoffs last year. Um, Friday night's game is going to be on FSN Plus. Saturday's night's on FSN, and I believe there might be some radio issues because of Big Ten basketball with the Gophers, but I'm guessing they're not going to win their first game, so that won't actually be an issue. Sorry, I'd love to rip down Tubby's team whenever I can. Um, Hammy, does Anchorage have any chance this weekend? I mean, are the Gophers just pissed from last year? Well, I mean, I think, you know, the way I look at it is you, you sometimes wonder, well, they just had this big emotional victory on Saturday. They won the McNaughton. And, you know, is there going to be any a little bit of a hangover from that? You know, I, I, you know, and they have been up and down on, you know, Fridays. They've been very inconsistent. So, you, you kind of wonder, you know, if they get off to a bad start, you know, what's going to happen. But, you know, the reality for me is I think it's actually good that, that Anchorage is coming in this year because, you know, all these guys remember what happened last year and, and they can't afford to kind of fall asleep at the wheel and, and not give a full 60-minute effort both nights or, you know, if it goes to three games, all three games. But, you know, so I'd, I I don't see how the Gophers are not going to be in St. Paul, you know, but – you know, maybe one game will be, you know, I think it'll be low scoring. I don't think it's going to be, I think, you know, Anchorage will probably played, you know, pretty conservatively. Obviously, they're not going to have the horses to get in a big offensive shootout with the Gophers. So I would suspect that they're going to be playing conservatively and uh, try not to make too many mistakes and really try to make the Gophers earn everything they can get. 
Yeah, I mean, my only real concern is, yeah, I mean, the Gophers are not a prolific scoring team, especially the last few weeks. I mean, Lucia talked about it on his radio show that, you know, they're not going to be the kind of team that goes and, you know, scores five, six goals and wins that type of game. And, um, you know, Anchorage, you know, is going to try to play that, you know, tight conservative game. And like they always do, and to their credit, I mean, they've had success with it. I mean, not just last year, but I mean, remember a Postal's freshman year and they pushed the Gophers to three games. And that was a, you know, really good Gopher team and a really bad Anchorage team. So, um, but yeah, again, and that's the only concern is that if Anchorage, you know, gets up one or two nothing and somehow, you know, they just try to lock it down and we go for, you know, just have issues scoring. But, again, I don't foresee that. I don't think there are any real parallels this year to last year. The teams are entirely different. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'd be blown away if this ends up going three games. And we remove the curse of John Hill. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go with Hill again. Um, Tim, obviously, I think you're going to pick them to sweep, but... What are the pairwise implications this weekend for, you know, Minnesota or maybe some of the other teams of the WCHA? Well, uh, the Minnesota losing games to a team as ranked as Anchorage in the RBI is going to be devastating. They cannot afford two losses would be, I mean, if they get swept by Anchorage for some reason like that happened last year, that could be pretty bad for Minnesota putting them smack in the bubble. It could, they could fall that hard. Um, losses to weak teams tend to get pretty amplified. Um, their RPI will get devastated. Uh, yeah, I, I've run some scenarios and they, they get right close to the border and they get the 14th area in the pairwise, which anything can happen to get a couple upsets in the tournaments and they can find themselves out in the NCAAs. And when they're not in cup, um, it has happened before. Uh, so you don't want to lose to teams that poorly with that poor record. Um, you know, they, they have, they, they're under 200 for the win percentage in, in conference. Um, and they're just over 300, uh, just under 300 overall. That's not a good team um, for, for RPI. Um, so it's more hurtful for Minnesota to lose these games than even winning their RPI may go down. Uh, uh, so they have that little asterisk thing in there. So that's always the adjusted RPI that we use. But um, even winning this game, it, it's all about the RPI and the pairwise. And this is a tough, um, not a tough physical series. I think they're going to win this, this, this series. I think they're going to win two. But losing a game is not a good thing for their pairwise. Now, Minnesota's not going to really go anywhere, even if they do win. I mean, there are a lot of teams ahead of them. They have very little chance of moving up, do they? They can probably get to fifth and maybe some outside scenarios um, where they can get to fourth. Um, if I, I have to run every single scenario and there's like <laughs> millions, tens, tens of millions left. I, I don't know. The critical one is I don't know if it, whether they can actually take the comparison to Mass Lowell. They can certainly take, um, you know, the BU and they already have the, the – Duluth comparison, um, so they can certainly take the BU comparison um, and move them up one slot. Um, but and and they're you know point wise they're just like two points behind. So if they can go up one slot and somehow Mass Lowell drops a slot because some other game that I'm not predicting, um, then they can end up tied there. But then the RPI they have to they have to get an RPI lead on on Mass Lowell, and I think that can happen. Um, if, if they're the only two compared, um, then, then the RPI will, will, um, 
will put them ahead of them. So if they end up tied for fourth, technically in fifth with Mass Lowell, they may have a shot. Other than that, I, they're a two seed. If they win probably two games, they're definitely a two seed. Um, you know, they could fall. If they get swept this weekend, they could fall all the way to a four, if not out, um, under crazy scenarios. Um, so you're but one seed, as you said, they just they cannot take the comparisons versus the teams that have them, other than being in basketball. So basically, the best scenario, rea- re- in realistic terms, is probably a number two seed at the best. I mean, it, it's going to be take a lot of weird things to, for them to even get a one. Yep, exactly. I figure that much. All right. Well, I see another question here uh, via Twitter. Uh, let me see. This is Minnesota M? Can't really see his whole name, but he's wondering. Do the Gophers need Patterson to be lights out in order to win the final five, or would they be okay if he was not quite at his best? Uh, to win the final five, I mean, I think he's going to have to be pretty good. Now, a little bit off topic here, but I think we're, I was emailing with Keith Langer, being another Gopher fan who's on the site and Twitter and the whole deal, and we were wondering, they, it doesn't look like they recede for the final five because last year, I believe, when Bemidji upset Duluth, Bemidji, if they did recede, should have played Denver, I want to say, but they ended up playing North Dakota or maybe vice versa. So I thought they did recede. Do they? See, I don't know because they seem between to between Thursday and Friday, I don't know if they do, but between uh, this weekend and, and the WCHU tournament, they do. Yeah, okay. yeah, but I'm talking about going from Thursday to Friday. See, I, I don't, don't think do. they do. No, I they don't. don't. They do either. So where I'm going with that is if you know, the favorites went out. I think it's safe to assume that the top, I think the top four teams in the league are a lot better than everyone else. Now that's not to say that, you know, Colorado college couldn't beat Denver or whatever those Thursday matchups are going to end up being. But I mean, if the Gophers are going to win the final five, I think there's a pretty decent shot. They're going to have to beat North Dakota and then they're going to have to either beat Duluth or Denver. And, um, you know, those are obviously all really good teams and, you know, Patterson's the Gophers best player and they hang their hat on defense. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think if they're going to you know, win a couple of games down there, they're going to need him to probably make, you know, 30 saves or more. I know they've been really good at keeping the shots down and everything like that, but, um, you know, these are big-time teams, and the Gophers are going to give up a few shots. And, um, yeah, he's going to have to be really good the rest of the way if they're going to, you know, have you know aspirations of you know, getting another banner or two. Nothing I can really add to that. I totally agree. I mean, you know, you need your goaltending to be pretty much, you know, rock-solid. Uh, does he have to play out of this world? I mean, I don't know that I would go necessarily that far. I think the Gophers are good enough defensively as a team that, you know, they'll be able to eliminate some of the, you know, rebounds and all that kind of stuff. So I don't suspect he's going to have to be, like, spectacular, but I do think he's going to have to be, you know, pretty much what we've seen most of this season, which is very good. Any thoughts, Tim, on Patterson? Does he need to be on top of his game for them to win the Final Five? I think he has. He can't play poorly. I think the defense has to be on top of its game. Uh, I think the games that you've seen Minnesota struggle this year, you know, the Michigan States and the, the Wisconsin, and you know, two two of the Wisconsin games, um, you know, Denver, um, they, they they fell behind early um, because you know some defensive lapses, you know, maybe a soft goal here or there. He hasn't given up that many soft goals this year. They, 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 Yep, we lost Ryan again. <laughs> Boy, uh, he, he's given up a few, but uh, the soft goals uh, have been kept to a minimum this year. 
I think it's all about the defense not making the mistakes to, to expose, you know, just, just to turn over the puck 10 feet in front of the net. Um, that, that's got to be few and far between for them to advance in either of the remaining tournaments. Well, luckily that is one of the things they've improved this year. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, Lucia being the coach of the year, but uh, obviously Mike Genzel coming back has made a huge effect back there on the defense and then playing team defense. And we've talked about this week after week. There really isn't that individual who stands out on the defensive end, but as a team they are playing so well. And obviously that was a little lapse Friday night, and they're, they're not going to be able to afford any of that kind of play like they had Friday night if they plan on winning the final five. Ryan, are you back? I am. It was a temporary hiatus again. <laughs> oh, jeez. Must be that darn computer and wireless connection you're trying to use. <laughs> I'm on both. It's on wireless. I forgot to turn the wireless off, but it's plugged in, too, so I don't know when you both turn on which one it goes off of, but it's on both, so I figured doubly is good. Well, we'll tell you, your audio has just been awesome tonight, and I don't mean that. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you guys have any other thoughts on this weekend? Nothing specific for me other than my touchdown. Tim, will you be making an appearance this weekend at Mariucci, or are you still busy in Florida? Uh, I will be at Mariucci both games, uh, both games this weekend, <laughs> So, uh, assuming there's not a third. Um, yeah. I, I will be at Mariucci all weekend. Um, I've noticed you don't write as much for uh, your website anymore, but every once in a while you do. Is that more of an emergency backup writing or? Uh... Yeah, I don't want to inflict on my editors the pain of editing me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, my my I have a you know I'm a mathematical person and I have a mild form of dyslexia and teh is the word thaw. <laughs> so they they I don't like to inflict it on them. We've got Brian Halverson. I think we've got uh, we've dramatically improved um, our WTHA content this last couple of years by, or this last year specifically by Brian um, being involved, and he he's the game reporter now at the university for us. So, Yeah, Brian's been on with us during some of our live broadcasts back in the fall, and he has been a good addition to your team, and he's, he's very entertaining you know, in person as well. So, What do you see in the future of your site? I mean... Where are you going to go? I mean, I've seen in the past you guys have tried to expand into other sports, but it seems like you've kind of come back to your your roots and just college hockey. Do you have any plans for it in the future? Um, well, I plan on continuing to expand our coverage of college hockey. I think we need to. We're, we're a little bit behind the scene on on the, the the app side of the world, so we'll probably roll. Um, something that's more robust on the app side. I've got um, something that I shared with Craig there. We actually, I did add the Paralyze to that this last week, so you'll see an improvement there. Oh, um, your your scores page, your HTML5 thing? Yeah, the HTML5. It's going live on, on Friday, we believe. So uh, it's scores.uscho.com. Um, it's going live. We'll publish it on the, on the front page on Friday to look at it. All it does is right now it has um, it refreshes automatically. It takes the score speed. Um, it allows you to navigate by conference, and then you also get an automatic refresh of the pairwise. So um, so that should be it pretty well. Um, we're going to try to invest some more in our infrastructure. We've had we think we've gotten uh, a major problem behind us that we were having for about the last month. On Friday and Saturday nights, we found out something that was configured incorrectly. We fixed that. 
but we're going to invest in, and I'm going to invest some more in, in the infrastructure of some bigger servers because we're, we're getting bigger and bigger on that side. Um, well, just one thing about your score is that USCHO page that you came up with. Um, I shared that link with quite a few people, and they really liked it. They thought it was simple, refresh, great. It was great on mobile. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I shared it with a few people, and they really liked it. But I told them not to share it at the time because uh, you hadn't gone live yet. But it was working pretty well the last two weeks that I have used it. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's simpler. It, it it it's very light. It uses a, a, a much lighter technology in in HTML5 and and uh, JSON objects and in all that nerd talk. So it 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 it's, it's much uh, much. It, it isn't heavy and it doesn't refresh. You don't have to refresh anything. It should just automatically refresh unless you obviously your phone goes to sleep. It works great on a phone. Um, so we're we're looking forward to that bringing some more coverage that way. Um, we've got some really exciting things that we're trying to put together for the Frozen Four. Uh, so um, so we, we've got, uh, we're, I'm working on a giveaway at the Frozen Four. We're working on um, some uh, integrating our live broadcast, our, our live podcast um, on Blog Talk Radio. We're, we're going to look at integrating that um, um, with uh, some of the NCAA events that are going to be around there so you'll be able to see the live broadcast. Okay. Okay. Um, so there's some cool things going on there on the schedule side. Um, again, I'll, as always, going crazy and bringing people, a lot of people to the Frozen Four uh, for for our staff to get the best possible coverage. We you know, two photographers and and well eight writers um, and, and some edit staff. So it's it's usually around eight to ten people. And a quite so, a bit of booze, I think, as well. There is some alcohol involved. <laughs> Just a little bit of alcohol involved. Um, Wouldn't be college hockey without a couple boozing nights, let me tell you. Well, well, yeah, the WCHH. I still find the WCHH tournament my favorite weekend of the year. I'm I'm not looking forward to the Big Ten tournament. Um, sorry. I don't think many people are. Uh, I, I am, I'm old school when it comes to that, like a lot of the people that uh, visit your site and, and – and a lot of people associated. Um, the big t- the, the WCHA tournament is the best tournament in college hockey, um, if not hockey. I love it um, every year. It's so exciting because of the pairwise going on and all of the excitement of who's going to make the tournament and whatnot. Um, so that, you know, the NCAA tournament, it's down to a couple teams. Yeah, they got some awards that they're doing then, but it, it's not it's not the same level of excitement. There's so many more teams involved, and it's these passionate rivalries. You know, the North Dakota, Minnesota, the, the Wisconsin, uh, North Dakota, Wisconsin, Minnesota, the Duluth, Minnesotas, and stuff like that. Pretty much and everyone we, in Minnesota. Everyone in Minnesota, if you're a Gopher fan, especially like I am, um, there's a lot of rivalries there, and and you know the. You know, like the Yankees, everybody hate, loves to hate them. Um, so. <laughs> That's definitely the truth. And now that they know that the main guy from USCHO is a Gopher oh, fan, God. there's going to be so much bias coming from that site. There's going to be a lot of claims oh, of that. Yeah, well, I've got, and I've got, you know, I've got Jim, who's the photographer at the University of Minnesota, that that uh, is my West uh, photographer, lead photography guy. So. That that you know the, the Gophers are on the front page all the time all year and yada yada yada, so we, we will get that complaint from the groups. <laughs> so, um, but that's well, it. You know the Gophers are having a great year, and you go with the teams that are winning. 
So, uh, you know, congratulations to them. The Mountain Cup, it's a great trophy. It's a beautiful trophy. Um, it, it, they have the banner. I didn't expect that. So. I don't think a lot of people did expect it, I'll tell you that. Ryan, uh, we were just kind of talking about the WCAJ Final Five, and one of the biggest things I know you've liked about that is the big tailgate that goes on every day. Can you give us a little info on that? Maybe we can get some more people down there this year. Yeah, you know, I know it happens every day. It's just with size, with work and stuff. It's tough for me to uh, bunker down there on Thursday and Friday. I usually try to make it down to the, at least part of the first game and then the nightcap. But, yeah, Saturday and you know, this year it's kind of not necessarily unique because St. Patrick's Day has coincided with that Saturday before. But, um, you know, it's definitely going to make it a little bit tougher. And you add in the fact of the wild game at noon or 1 o'clock or whatever, um, you know, a lot of people down there. So, but yeah, the tailgate lot that – uh, everyone kind of frequents, or at least the main one is right behind the Dairy Queen there in West 7th. There's a laundromat, I think, too, and um, it's right by Four Paws, which I guess is a little bit south, I want to say. But, yeah, it's a huge lot there, and you can't miss it. And um, anyone that wants to throw beer bottles or at the Drunk Hockey Guy for all his uh, trolling online for all these years, you can uh, probably take advantage of it and go do that, and he'll be the loud and obnoxious one. And, uh, yeah, there's uh, – And you'll be the passed out one? Could be, could be. You know, well, I, no, I'm a father now. I need to be more. Oh, you got to be responsible. Then, yeah, but uh, no, I know everyone's getting down there probably between 8 and 10 just from uh, avoiding the cluster that's going to be St. Patrick's Day as much as possible. And yeah, That's and a lot of partying before the game. It is, but, you know, it's uh, like there's only two years left before it all goes up in smoke, so I guess you got to, uh, you know, make the best of it. And, but, yeah, like I said, fans from all teams, you know, North Dakota, Wisconsin, I mean, there's tons of Tech fans. So, yeah, anyone that's uh, listening to my stop on by, it's definitely a good group of people and they all get done. And that's kind of the biggest thing is that you do have fans from all over the place, and uh, obviously there's good-natured ribbing going along, but uh, it all comes back to everyone loves that, that whole weekend, and uh, – People better enjoy it because it's going away very soon. Any other thoughts on this weekend, guys? No, not sweep. Uh, yes, I believe a sweep. sweep. They're going to sweep. That's going to happen. Well, I'd like to thank Tim Bruley for joining us from U.S. College Hockey Online. Yes, that's what I'm going to keep calling it. Sorry, Tim. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, you can join us again sometime, and maybe we'll all have better connections, and the sound will be a little bit better next time. Yeah, I appreciate the the invite and uh, the chance to talk with you guys and go for hockey. And definitely, still a passionate Gopher fan, even though up in the press box, we you and I can't exactly scream. Although we've let out a few yells here and there. <laughs> uh, we have been guilty of that a few times. <laughs> uh, um, obviously, his site is uscho.com. It's the biggest thing in college hockey. It probably will be for a long time. Uh, remember, you can always follow Hammy at Hammy Hockey on Twitter. And obviously, Ryan is at Ryan Cardinal on Twitter. And you also see his writings on uh, Gopher Puck Live, along with Jeff Oftos. He does a lot of writing for us. Uh, Ryan, I assume you're going to be on uh, with uh, Paul Allen, KFN, this week sometime? Yeah, I would expect. I don't know if it'll be another uh, stadium press conference that'll uh, give me the heave ho, but uh, I believe that uh, that is the plan for Thursday, so we'll see if it uh, comes to fruition. All right, thanks. Um, that's going to do it for this week's Gopher Puck Live podcast. You know, we'll be back next week to review the Anchorage series and give a preview of the WCHA Final Five. Until then, thanks for joining us. Thank you.